I could see the writing on the wall. You know, I was head of programming at Playboy TV for seven and a half years, and that was an incredible job. And then when they decided to eliminate that department, basically my career left me for a younger woman. Hello, and welcome to the Never Too Old podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Vibert, and I talk to people who are 50 and older about what it takes to do old age right. Today, I'll be talking with Wendy Miller. I first met Wendy several years ago when I was doing research online for a book about creativity and happened upon her website. After reading through it and laughing annoyingly loudly for a very long time, I emailed her and we started a conversation that hasn't ended yet. Wendy is an Emmy award-winning producer. If you've watched TV, you've probably seen something she's done. But her creativity doesn't end there. Today, we'll be talking about aging out of an industry and rediscovering your creativity. I hope you'll join us. Welcome to the podcast, Wendy. You're my inaugural guest, and I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. This is the best episode you've done. You know, it's amazing you say that. We haven't even done it yet, and it's uh, already the best, so off to a good start. It will also be the worst, I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, it'll definitely be a podcast, so it has that going for it. So just for purposes of understanding who you are and kind of how you got here, a little background about your journey up to this point. Let me ask you what you mean by got here. You're 58, right? I am. Okay. So you haven't always been 58. And at some point you were doing other things. So I know that uh, you grew up in Chicago or just north of Chicago. And at some point you kind of decided you were going to be creative and get into a creative industry. So talk us through that. Well, actually, my my journey into the creative industry started at three years old. I was a child actor and performer in commercials and Morris the Cat commercials and Kellogg's commercials, Alt Leo Burnett, a lot of work in Chicago. And I was very successful as a kid performer. I'm the first person whose face was ever shown in an Island Lives commercial, with my claim to fame. And so I grew up on TV and McDonald's commercials, et cetera. And I always knew that I wanted to work in television. Like I was sort of like Mike TV, you know, on Willy Wonka. Like I, I grew up inside the TV and I kind of wanted to stay there. <laughs> and so for the first 13 years of my life, I was a child performer. And then I aged out of that. And I did improv at Second City. And I went to college. And then I came back and I just tried to get any single TV job I could get. And I took every single stupid job that came my way, which is advice that I give to everyone because, you know, young people need to see like they might think, oh, I really want to be art department. And then it turns out they're super great at being a, you know, a grip. So it's just like one of these things where I took every job I could get and eventually worked at the Oprah show. And then I launched WCIU TV. I was part of the team that did that and, you know, UTV. And then I got a job at Game Show Network out here. And then from there I went to NBC and from NBC, I went to the Oxygen Network. And the first thing that ever aired on the Oxygen Network was written, produced by me. From there, I produced a bunch of pilots and I won an Emmy and I did a bunch of fun stuff and had a really great, robust, exciting, successful career in TV until I didn't. <laughs> and, and what does that look like? How did, how did that not happen or happen? Well, you know, first of all, women in entertainment age in dog years. Okay. So there's like, there was, there was no mystery about that. I knew looking around when I saw no one my age and a woman that I could see the writing on the wall. 
And, you know, I was head of programming at Playboy TV for seven and a half years, and that was an incredible job. And then when they decided to eliminate that department, basically my career left me for a younger woman. And I was just kind of like, hmm, yeah, basically the career that I had and that I'd thrived in and done very well and won lots of fancy pointy awards for suddenly ditched me like a weirdo at a party. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I say the same thing about my career in advertising. It's like uh, I didn't leave advertising; advertising left me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And and what's fascinating about it is that there was a certain point where all of a sudden it was there was no one as old as I was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wait a minute, this this doesn't look good. I have a feeling, and sure enough, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I would see a lot of women my age sort of like clinging, right, clinging to youth. You know, it's like with plastic surgery and like outfits and starving themselves and just trying to do anything to make it seem as if they're still valid, which is weird because the more experience you have, the more intelligence you have, the more you can contribute. But don't even get me started. I mean, we all know why advertisers want young people and it has nothing to do with how much money they have. It has to do with it because they haven't made up their mind about toilet paper. Yep. <laughs> um, so the whole system is very stupid, but what are you going to do? I was kind of bitter for a while, I have to say. You know, I, I got another job, was working at Hallmark, and that was really fun. And then there was this global pandemic that sort of blew that up. And it's been a real interesting journey into humility and really understanding and, and really, being, really being conscientious of being kind to myself. Because I think we have a tendency, I don't know, we, I'm globalizing this, but I have a tendency to blame myself for things that aren't even my fault. And so, you know, you could run around going, oh, if I had only done this, oh, if I had only had that neck job, oh, if I had only blah, 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 I would still be working today. And, and really the fact is sometimes your time is up and there's really not much you can do about it if you're working for other people. Yeah, that was my experience in advertising as well. Exactly the same thing. And I had the same sense, you know, what am I doing wrong here? You know, why, why are there no more jobs for me? And, yeah. you know, how come the, call, the phone's not ringing? You know, at one yeah. point, at one point, I get a call every week, at least, from a, a headhunter wanting want to come over here, do this, that, the other thing. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it would last forever. And then one day, the phone stopped ringing. Yeah, one day the phone stopped ringing. And you have to be prepared for that. And I remember when I was at Hallmark, I was working with a lot of younger women. And, you know, they were showing up in like these cashmere, you know, throws with like from Chanel and getting a new BMW every you know year or two. And I, and I want to say to them, you guys, this is not going to last. You need to start thinking about passive income streams now in your 30s. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Shut up. And I'm like, think about putting an ADU in your property. Think about buying a rental. Think about some ways to bring in money because at some point this job will leave you. But they didn't believe me. So I did what I tried. I tried. I tried. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I teach at Miami ad school as well. And I tell my students exactly that you should be saving now, right now. Like even if it's just $10 a month, get in the habit, you know, yeah. at some point the job will be over. At some point you will be fired. At some point there will not be another job for you. And it's, it doesn't mean that you have to stop working or stop being doing important creative things and all that kind of stuff. But the jobs that you've been familiar with in that world are going away. Yeah. And it, it's weird because people are saying, oh, there's so many job openings and da, 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 da. And it's like, I, I, 
I saw a job opening last week for a job that was basically, we need Wendy Miller and Wendy Miller's skill set only. Like it was so completely, uniquely, terrifyingly, perfectly ta- like tailored to me. Mm-hmm. And so I submitted for this thing. And then I got an email like in a day or two saying, you know, thank you so much for this, but we've decided we need, you know, we're going with someone else who's a little bit, you know, whatever. But I was just like, are you, are you, what? Like, it was literally like, we need someone who is exactly like you with only things that you've done on a super high level. And here I am. And they were like, yeah, no. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but I replied to that email. And I'll admit it, for this one, I was a little butthurt because it was just so perfectly tailored for me Mm -hmm. and all these levels. And I wrote back and I said, yeah, I I can see why you wouldn't want someone who's done this, 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 and this. I I could see why you would pass on me for that. (laughs) Good luck. Because literally it was, it was mind boggling. And I got a little, I got a little pissy at that one, but whatever, fuck them. Yeah. I mean, presumably they didn't reply and say, oh, you're right, but. (laughs) Of course, exactly. Like a minute later, oh my gosh, we meant to send that to Wendy Jiller. You're the Wendy Miller who's perfect for this. So sorry. Oh, our bad, our mistake. Please, Wendy Miller, please accept my apology. And come take this job that you really don't want. And. And come in here. We, 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 this was. If you know Wendy Jiller, please tell her it's not her job. <laughs> no. She lives next door. What a coincidence! She yeah. lives next door. <laughs> <laughs> so here you are. You know this probably inflection point in your life. And of course, you're a supremely creative person. That just seems to be part of your makeup. And so, where do you go from here? What happens next? I decided that I was tired of waiting for people to give me permission to do what I wanted to do. Now, it's tricky because if what you want to do is advertising or producing TV shows, you kind of need permission, right? You kind of need someone to say, I recognize you. Come on and work for me. So it's not as if I could just, I mean, you could, you know, four-wall your own studio and start shooting stuff, but... I was unemployed, so I couldn't really take giant calculated risks like that. So I just decided to do everything that I could that made me happy. And I also started a few things that I had no idea how successful they'd be. Namely, I just started walking four miles a day. And during the pandemic, I dropped 50 pounds. Mm, Congratulations. And that changed my life. And I know you've been on a similar journey. I decided after multiple rejections on my memoir, which my editor was from Random House literally said to me, I've never said this before, but this is going to sell. It didn't sell and tons of people passed on it. And I was feeling very rejected and feeling very sad. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to write my own book, just self-publish that. Like, why am I waiting for people to give me permission to tell my story? So I wrote a book and I self-published it and Fun fact, when you self-publish a book, you actually make more money than if you go through a traditional publisher, at least when you don't have a platform at my level. John Grisham obviously benefits from 
uh, that reach, but I'm nobody von nobody. So self-publishing my own book gave me an enormous amount of control. And also I had no other choice. And then one day on one of my four mile walks, I was thinking about this friend of mine who gave me an Oracle deck. You know, when you're in Los Angeles, you get to have interesting friends. And, and I have a friend who is a psychic medium. She will, you know, talk to your dead relatives for you. And she gave me an Oracle deck. And she said, if you ever have any questions, ask the oracles and they will give you the answers. And as I was on my four mile journey, my daily walk, I was thinking to myself, you know, my oracles are not a bunch of random voices in the sky. My oracles are hilarious gay men. <laughs> that is who I take all of my life advice from. So I thought, why not create an oracle deck in the voice of hilarious, uncensored, brilliant gay men? Love it. And I did it. And I made a bunch just for my friends for fun because it turned out so funny. And everyone wanted one. So then I made like 25 more. Everyone wanted one. It's like, you should sell this. You should sell this. I'm like, sell this? Like, I don't know anything about opening up an e you know, an e-commerce website. I don't know anything about manufacturing. Like, I literally had to teach myself about manufacturing and packaging and opening a company and getting an LLC set up and having an EIN and the taxes and all this other shit. I'm a poet and a dreamer, okay? I don't, I'm not interested in that. But I had to learn it. And it was actually fun to be facing these challenges for a whole new creative venture. And so I started this company and you can buy these cards online now and they're selling. And it's just the craziest thing ever. And it was just a weird random pivot. And it all goes back to something that I learned many years ago at NBC, which is your stupidest ideas are always your best ideas. And this was such a stupid idea that I had to try it. And it's turned out to be incredibly fun. And people are buying these things. Like, I actually have a, I actually have a deck right here. If you want to ask a question, we can do that. You got you have a yes or no question for your gay BFF? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let me, let me think about that one. Okay, well, here's one. I'll just keep it simple and keep it on, on the subject here. Is this, is this podcast going to be successful? Is this podcast going to be successful? Tell me when to stop. Now. <laughs> is this podcast going to be successful? Fine, but only because I've run out of bitchy ways to say no. So <laughs> that's a yes. This podcast is going to be successful. <laughs> Well done. That's, that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it's so crazy. You know, I was at this, I was at a, I was at a big event and I was playing with the cards and this woman bought them out of my hands. A big 1980s TV star who lives across the street from me bought them out of my hands at a party because it's like, what's happening is people ask a question and it forces them to drill down and get very specific about what they're looking for, which... Yeah. If you think about it, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to get it, right? And so it, these cards have been helping people figure out what it is they want and then kind of inspired them to go after it. An another side effect I was not expecting. I'm a TV producer, but somehow or another, I'm now making these Oracle cards that are like bringing a lot of happiness to total random people I don't even know. 
And that's the greatest thing ever. I'm sorry you're not enthusiastic about it. That's too bad. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? Like in a trillion years, if you had said to me, I mean, we started talking, I don't know, we met a few years ago. And if if you had said to me, oh, by the way, Wendy, you're going to be making Oracle cards with funny gay responses on them. I'd be like, shut up. (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Wow. I was telling my students about this exact thing today, not Oracle cards, but the, the, the stupidest ideas are the best ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, someone was talking about do brainstorm sessions work. And, <laughs> and I said, well, if in the traditional way, absolutely not, because nobody wants to look like an idiot. So everyone comes out with these lame ass, you know, middle of the road comments because no one wants to stand out. Mm-hmm. I said, the trick is to say, OK, I want your dumbest ass ideas possible. You know, come out, come at me with your stupidest ideas. The stupidest idea wins. And then everyone has permission and all the stupid ideas come. And some of them really are stupid and they suck, but some of them are brilliant. Not That's exactly how I would open every creative meeting. I would say, you know, everybody's sitting there, they've got their notepad. And I said, okay, before we get started, I want to know the worst idea everyone had. <laughs> and it, you're right. It absolutely disarms the room, takes off all the pressure. Some of them are so beyond stupid, but I'm telling you, all of the best spots we ever produced came out of the stupidest ideas without fail. Everything else is usually like, you know, let's do a split screen. And then they, they reach over the black line, you know, like all that shit, like <laughs> hokey, crappy. And this one guy started his pitch. He's like, do you ever see the movie Clockwork Orange? And already I'm leaning in him. Yes. And he goes, what if our shows are so bad that we make people put those things in their eyes to watch them, <laughs> to hold them open the way that he's forced to watch. And I was like, wait a minute, that's really stupid. Maybe there's something there. And we just kept kind of working it and working it. And that turned out to be a really, really funny spot. The host of the show being forced to watch the show, but someone holding her eyeballs open. I mean, it was just great. It was just great. And it all came out of the dumbest idea that someone thought they had, which was definitely their best idea. <laughs> There are so many messages that we get, you know, people over 30, 40, I mean, literally are like erased from the media landscape, except for like that, you know, the wacky, get off my lawn, you know, or like Audrey Lindley, like some slutty, you know, landlady, whatever. But really nobody is taken seriously or thought of as a sexual being or a creative person. It's always like that, you know, that old person in the back of the office that everyone has to put up with because they're a principal in the company, whatever. But I think what really changed for me is that I just gave myself permission to try things because I wasn't working for anyone except myself. And it's hard, you know, when you work for companies like advertising, television, I worked, you know, in, in the NBC marketing department for years and years and years. And it's like all these layers of approval right? You've got to get all these people to approve of your ideas. And it's daunting and it's terrifying and it's intimidating. And at some point you think, I, I'm just, I can't take any more of this. But what if all of those layers are gone and the only person that's approving everything you do is you? And you've somehow managed to shut up that voice in your head that tells you you're not worthy. And the only voice that's like screaming loud and clear is, what else you got? What do you got? Got some dumb? Got some funny, got some, what do you got? You know, so I, you know, I, I have to say I was kind of 
sad and bitter and depressed. And like, I went through the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross layers of, you know, you've lost your uh, job or your career, but just getting out on the other end of it, I'm having the best time ever because it turns out I'm a really good boss to myself. (laughs) My assistant at the Oxygen Network would definitely not agree with that, but I'm telling you right now, I'm really, really cool with myself. And I give myself a lot of space to get things wrong and to waste a lot of time and to try stupid shit because that's what this time is for. Like, what else am I going to be doing? I could only play so much pickleball. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I love that. I love that. And I think you're so right. That freedom. And I think a lot of people freak out when they realize they don't have somebody to tell them what to do. You're Um, absolutely right. Actually, I have a, because I am from, you know, I have a psychic medium friend. I also have a Zen teacher who is from Marin County. Thank you uh very much. And she said, it's just always really important when you're trying anything to have high standards and no expectations. And expectations are where I've gotten in trouble in the past. You know, Mm -hmm. I was signed by a big agent. I thought, okay, my my memoir, da, da, da. And then he had a nervous breakdown during the George Floyd arrest. And then I had this thing and that fell apart. Like everything I had, it was all lining up beautifully and it all fell apart. And I had all these expectations that just were crushed. And she said to me, stop having expectations. I mean, they, they creep in and you could say, oh, oh, okay, hang on. That's an expectation. I need to recognize that and move on. She said, you can't control anything except your standards. That's all you can control is the quality of your work. So just focus on what you can control and have high standards and no expectations. And then you won't be devastated again. And it's been so helpful for me because it's like with these ridiculous cards, like literally people are like, oh, it's going to be the next blah, blah, blah. Are you going to sell blah, a trillion? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? No, that's not. I mean, that's very nice of you to say, and I I suppose it'd be great if it was true, but I created them to have fun with my friends, okay? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to walk around going, oh, they're not cards against humanity. I'm a failure. I mean, come on. Like, (laughs) what are you basing yourself against? You know, it's like, who's who's deciding where you're supposed to be? Who's deciding what's a success and what's a failure? Exactly. And and that's yeah. uh, uh, that is exactly the point. I think that's that, that's such a great insight. I, I love that. And and I think that's part of what the great joy of getting older really is, which is, you know, you you have permission to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Yeah. Every day I have fewer and fewer fucks. Hopefully I'll get down to zero at some point. I'm yeah. close. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I'm not at zero, but I'm close. And yeah. it's great. It, it really is. I feel Exactly the same. Indeed. I mean, it, it, it's taken me forever to get this far along on this podcast thing. And mostly just because I was getting in my own way. Right. Uh, you know, I, like I set up this whole thing. I have to do this first and this first and this first. And then I have to do this and this and this and this. And I was talking to a friend of mine and she said, why do you have to do all that stuff first? And I was like, well, because oh, I guess I don't. <laughs> I have a friend. Uh, I'm not going to say her name because she might see this. And she is the queen of if-thens. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to write a script together. And she said, okay, I need to get my desk built and then I can write. I'm like, okay. So then it's like, then it's like, okay, the desk is built. I'm like, okay, so let's, let's start working on this. I need, my computer is being repaired. It's at the Mac store. It needs to be repaired. And I'm like, all you fucking need is a pencil and the back of an envelope. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, if you don't want to write, if you're afraid, if you're like, whatever, just 
say it. But coming up with all of these reasons, well, I can't start my podcast because I don't know what kind of microphone to have. Well, I really shouldn't be doing that because I haven't scripted out the first 55,000 episodes. Well, I, you know, it's like, <laughs> my God, like all we do is cock block ourselves all the time, even if we don't have a cock. And it's just crazy. And you're right. It's like, just get out of your way and try it and everything will be fine. That's so true. What's funny is that you would think that after being on this planet for almost 70 years, I would understand that. I, I've told other people that over the years, and here I am committing the same sin <laughs> that I've counseled other people against. And it's it's fascinating how how we can make those same mistakes, even though we know their mistakes before we make them. We're not perfect. Speak I mean, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a golf. You know, you just stand over the ball and think too much. It's going to be terrible. Just go up there, visualize it, hit the ball. Yep. You know, it's like just hit the ball. And otherwise you're just going to, just like inertia. You're just going to be standing there and just like, can't make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, one of the other incredibly true things, which is that if you don't hit the ball, it's just going to be there. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> if you do hit it, it might go into the hole and it might not, but it definitely won't go into the hole if you don't hit it. That's right. <laughs> It's like that great, you know, Wayne Gretzky thing. You miss 100% of the shots you don't yeah, take. You don't take, yeah. You know what? He missed 80% of the shots he did take. Just get in there and just take a swing. Like, I had no expectations for my book. It was a number one new release on Amazon. That's great. I was That's great. shocked. Yeah. I have no expectations for this ridiculous game, which is literally launching tomorrow. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. I might sell five. I was like, okay, because it's been really fun. And then I have Christmas presents for everyone for the next 20 years. So <laughs> I think you just, you've got to get out of your way. You've got to take swings. You've got to try stuff. If you don't, you're just making everything that everyone is thinking about you come true. And you have an opportunity to say, no, okay, my career doing that. My career being paid by this corporation to make Frosted Flakes seem delightful. Yes, that's over. Thank but, God. Right? But there's still quite a lot of things that I can do that are pretty groovy. Why aren't you doing them? Yeah. Yeah. So during COVID, I don't know why, because I'd worked at Hallmark, I, started, I decided I'm going to start making wreaths. But they had to be subversive. They couldn't just be like, you know, happy holidays. Nah, nah, nah. Like they had to be really ridiculous. So I started making these really subversive wreaths and people wanted them. And then I started selling them all over the place. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, so here's one. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over here. So right there in the background, that is a congratulations on your divorce wreath. And it's got, you know, the end of an error, happily divorced, all this other stuff. This woman in the middle, you see her, the wife is, has, has literally had a dismembered head. <laughs> from there. So I actually created that for a friend of mine who's gone through a terrible divorce. Mm. Yeah, I, I made a St. Patrick's Day wreath that was covered in empty liquor bottles. And it was like very dark and, you know, I don't drink alcohol. So I thought it was kind of funny. So they all have kind of subversive, weird ideas behind them. You're like the Martha Stewart of subversive reads. Take, I'll take that. I'd like, I'll be the Martha Stewart of just subversive ideas because then my, my gay cards could be in there and the wreaths and 
whatever other crap I have going on. There's always something around here that I'm looking to do. That's great. Well, it's it's, it's like a renaissance. I, I love to hear this because, you know, just the contrast between you from a couple of years ago and now when all this amazing things, just you fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoying yeah, it. Everything, everything that I tried to make happen, constantly following up on calls, chasing after jobs, you know, hanging out with friends at studios, trying to, trying to, trying, 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 trying. Literally nothing good happened for me until I stopped all of that mm-hmm. and just focused on what made me happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm now making wreaths and people want them. And I made these Oracle cards and tons of people want them. <laughs> I'm curious how, in the context of all this, this all works for your your family, because you you have a daughter as well, as I recall. I do. I have a daughter who is a junior in high school, so she we're just starting to have the college conversations. Mm-hmm. And I have a husband who is an actor. We are definitely a very creative house. Mm. My daughter's third novel won a Scholastic Gold Medal. Her art is part of the permanent collection of the Queen Sophia Children's Art Museum in Spain. So she's like bonkers off the chart creative. My husband is a very talented actor, constantly having dance, you know, dance parties in the kitchen, very sweet and kindly helpful guy. So I come from a land of very creative weirdos and that's where I, those are my people. So Luckily, we didn't get the Alex P. Keat, and we just got another weirdo just like us, just a lot <laughs> cuter and more talented, which fine with me. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And they support what you're doing. and Well, I wouldn't go that far because my daughter is tired of going to the dollar store with me to find crap for my, <laughs> my wreath. She's like, ah. So, like, there's only so much that I can drag her into. She's, you know, doing her own thing. She's... She is too cool for school. But my husband and I, you know, we've been together for 33 years this year. Mm-hmm. 34 years. 34 years this year we've been together. And I mean, this is not a bait and switch. She always knew that I was like creative and interested in making things, but I was always worried about getting work and having other people hire me and trying to just force that to happen. And now that I don't have to force that to happen and I can just focus on what makes me happy. And hopefully there will be some sort of residual uh, bonuses from that. But if not, it's okay because it's making me happy. And that's kind of the most important thing. Absolutely. Your parents are still alive. Is that right? Yes, they are. Yeah. And so you you kind of have that sandwich thing going on. I've dealt with it as well, where you have a a kid still in school, but your parents are getting up there and... How do you navigate that? It's been really rough because my father has had a pretty recent uh, health crisis Mm -hmm. and things do not seem to be going very well. Mm. And my mother is doing her best to hold things down, but that's sort of her, it's very challenging for her. And so it's like running back and forth to their house, making sure that I, you know, that they have what they need and that I can help them. And for a period of time, even though I have three siblings, I was the only one who was able to help them. So it was a lot of running around. And then I have my daughter who is, people say to me, like, how did you raise such an accomplished kid? And I tell them, oh, simple. I leave her alone because she's like a, she's like a tiger kid. Like I don't have to chase after her. But what comes of that then is somebody who's very focused and busy and 
sort of treats me the way like, you know, you would treat your kids in your 30s when you're very focused and busy. So there are times when I get to play with her and do fun things and go shopping and just like, you know, get massages or whatever we can and try to help her. You know, she's got colleges that we're going to start looking at colleges. And so there are certain demands that are being made. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all it's it's all very difficult. And um, I could see everything is really tightening up and getting very scary. And I and I'm afraid it's going to be this way. Until it's not. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's always remind my son, who is 24. The only thing that doesn't change is that things are going to change. <laughs> mm. And, uh, you know, uh, I, we used to have a joke, play this game where we'd throw something and in a place he couldn't find it and say it was gone forever. Gone forever. And then he had to find it. Except they're tearing down a couple of houses across the street from us that have been there since he was born and, and since before I was born, for that matter. And I took a picture of them and texted him, gone forever. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I want him to learn that lesson, that things are going to change. Everything that seems like it's going to be there forever, not necessarily. It's such an important thing to know. Yeah. You know, and when you're 24, you, you haven't seen that much change. You haven't been around long enough to see yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very difficult concept for people in their 20s to grasp, you know. Our daughter's definitely very nostalgic. That might be a generational thing. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but... You know, my favorite bakery closed, our favorite little toy store closed. And it's like she's very cognizant of that. And my husband also seems to have this special trait, special skill where everything he likes, they stop making <laughs> or, or it closes. Like he's like, well, I found the perfect da-da-da. Like two years later, can't find it anymore. Like he has a very special skill for finding things that are discontinued, which makes me a little <laughs> uneasy, I have to say, personally. But so we've had to deal with a lot of loss in this house. I know peanut butter and, you know, bakeries are not the same as beloved friends and, and parents, but she's cognizant of it, yeah. as cognizant of someone who's 17 can be. Yeah. And she's just like a minute after being 17. But we're going to lose my folks at some point, and she's going to be experiencing that and that's yep. generally an early loss that young people experience and hopefully along with learning how to weather that she will learn the lesson that you're trying to impart which is you know gone forever yeah i mean my, my next door neighbor is 96 she's a beloved friend of mine and i adored her and she just died a couple weeks ago and yeah. gone forever yeah 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 i think that's my least favorite thing when i was growing up i didn't know anybody who died and like forever, no one, no one died. And I thought, you know, this is going to change. Well, it did. And all of a sudden, everybody started dying, you know. And, you know, advertising is, as I think a lot of creative industries are, there's a lot of hard living, <laughs> a lot of too much alcohol and drug use, not enough sleep, mm -hmm. you know, abusive behavior, all those things that tend to go with that stuff. And it, it catches up people that smoke and do all that, you know. I've, and, and it's, it's, I think it's the, the thing I like the least about aging is losing people. It's actually part of the reason that I uh, I was inspired to start this podcast because, you know, a really close friend of mine who uh, worked with an advertising, sold his advertising agency in New York and decided he was going to be a rock star. Well, not a rock star, but sort of rock band. And uh, he was in his 60s, very successful. They were touring all over the East Coast and he had several discs that were selling and all this stuff and he died. Just had a heart attack and you know, one day his wife woke up and there he was lying dead in bed. And I was thinking, you know, I, I, I love the fact that he had done that, that he had 
started off in one life as I have and you have and morphed over into this other life and just continued to be himself and be creative and all those things in a different way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love that. And it, it was aspirational, definitely yeah. for me. Um, yeah, I would much rather die having done something ridiculous I wanted than to die after a 40-year career at Leo Burnett at my desk. Yeah. Just like drop dead at my desk trying to make cornflakes seem delightful. Like, what what is that? I mean, this is an incredible story. And I, I, I'm inspired by it. And imagine if he hadn't done that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was so happy. That was the main thing. He was just so happy that he had realize that dream. But, you know, I've kind of come to a similar place that you have, which is I, I like to mess around with different stuff. You know, I like to draw and I like to paint and I like to write and uh, I like to do this, I think. So far, I like it. And uh, Best episode yet. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's a high bar. It actually is. You know, and that, that gives me great joy, you know, not to have that pressure to do things that are going to earn me a living necessarily, although they do, that's fine. But just messing around. Well, I created my cards by walking around the block. There so you go. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think walking is like one of the most wonderful creative places to be because you're in that thing where your body is on autopilot. You're walking. Your body knows how to walk mostly, you know, so you don't have to like spend a lot of time figuring out where to put your foot in the next step. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and, then, and that, then your mind's free to think about whatever it wants to think about. That's right. And I have a neighbor across the street who is he's going through cancer treatment right now. He's, he's not doing too well. He's kind of frail. Mm. And he walks his dog just a, just a little bit, as much as he can. And he, I, I walked up to him recently and he said, you going for a walk? And I said, yeah. And he goes, how long are you going? I said, I have to go four miles. And he looked at me and he goes, lucky. Mm. And I was just like, I don't have to go four miles. I get to go four miles. And it's like, it was a complete reframing for me because I thought about him and because of his lung cancer, you know, he's like, he basically goes to the corner and back and that's about all he can muster for the day. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's a good thing to be able to do and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. That's great. I think that's, that sums it up. You know, it's like, it's a gift to be here mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, to still be here and to still be able to do stuff to take our talents and our skills and all the rest of it and enjoy the process, maybe more than we've it's, ever done it before. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, the, the email that I sent aside, I'm not really raging at the dying of the light. I'm actually trying to enjoy it and take advantage of whatever time I've left. I'm a cancer survivor, so I get it. You know, this is, you don't get a lot of time and I'm taking advantage of this time as best as I can. And for me, that's about creating things and having fun and doing stupid stuff. And so that's how I spend my day. I love that. We, we assume because everyone says, well, the average lifespan is this much, that that's how long you get to live. But of course, none of us knows how much time we have, which is why it's so important to value all of it. Yeah. And very few people are actually living, by yeah. the way. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the lessons we learn as we get older, which is, I'm lucky to be here still, and I'm lucky to be able to still have my faculties and all the things. And, uh, you know, why stop living now? <laughs> right. Right. I don't, I don't have to walk four miles a day. I get to walk four miles a day. I don't have to create things with a gun to my head like I did for years and years and years. 
now I get to. Yeah. And it's just completely different. And it's so much more joyous and validating and really low stakes, high standards, no expectations. You can't get things wrong. And I think that's a perfect place to stop. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so much, Wendy. I really appreciate it. It was great to have it's you. It's my pleasure. Always, always love talking to you. And I can't wait to listen to the other episodes of this podcast. They're not going to be as good as this one, but that's okay. No, that's um, fine. It's, I, I'm glad we started on a good one. On the best one. <laughs> <laughs> the best one. That's absolutely, so far, the best episode you've done. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining me today in the Never Too Old podcast. You can find out more about Wendy at her site, thewendymiller.com, where you can book her as a producer or check out her gay BFF oracle cards, sex ed, the musical podcast, and her book, Three Secrets to the Happy and Healthy Relationship You've Always Fucking Wanted, as well as a page of hysterical quotes from her time as executive producer at Playboy TV. Please check out the next podcast in the series where I talk to Cindy Gallup about aging, creativity, sexuality, and her startup, Make Love Not Porn. I am old um, in the literal sense of the word um, because I feel as I am. I'm 63. And so, you know, I don't believe in, in going, oh, I'm young inside or anything like that. This is 63 and I love it. Mm-hmm.